I said, I didn't hear a thing. He said, sometimes everything being right makes a kind of sound. Everything being right makes a kind of sound. Like just now. It wasn't much more than a good feeling that I heard from that old rock. Were you surprised to hear it? I always had to ask. He said, not a bit. It seemed like the most natural thing in the world. I said, I wish I'd heard it too. He said he thought I might someday. He told me how a friend of his once heard a whole sky full of stars when she was seven. And later on, when she was 83, she heard a cactus blooming in the dark. At first, she didn't know what she was hearing. She found it just by following the sound. There were 20 flowers on one cactus, and they were all white as the moon. The old man said, most people never hear those things at all. I said, I wonder why. He said, they just don't take the time you need for something that is important. I said, I'll take the time, but first you have to teach me. I'd like to if I could, he said, but the thing is, you have to learn it from the hills and ants and lizards and weeds and things like that. They do the teaching around here. Just give me a clue how to start, I begged. And so he said, do this. Go get to know one thing as well as you can. It should be something small. Don't start with a mountain. Don't start with the whole Pacific Ocean. Start with one seed pod, a one dry weed, a one horned toad, a one handful of dirt. He said he started with one tree. Every morning of his life when he was young, he climbed a cottonwood and sat there listening. He told me it was worth the time. He said trees are very honest and they don't care much for fancy people. And he said he doesn't know of anything he ever did as important as sitting in that tree. Tell me everything you can, I said. He said, well, you have to respect that tree or hill or whatever it is you're with. Take a horned toad, for example. If you think you're better than a horned toad, you'll never hear its voice, even if you sit there in the sun forever. And he said, don't be ashamed to learn from bugs or sand or anything. So that's an excerpt from that book, the child's book. Um, Chelsea will send you the reference um, after we follow up along with other things I read from. I just came back from a nine-day meditation retreat that was silent. And very interesting things happen when you sit in silence for nine days. The breaks, but the silence is complete. You don't use your voice or go to that place where you, where you speak at all. Many things happened there, but one of these th things the teacher said, his name was John Travis, and he said, there are monks who say that when they get quiet enough, they can literally hear the sound of the molecules of life in their body vibrating, and it can actually get quite noisy. It's a really interesting thought to be able to tune in that deeply. And as you sit quietly, you go through layer after layer after layer of discovery, 
And the wonderful thing is that you go deeper and deeper, you start to come out the other side into something that's universal, like the molecules of life. I asked him, write notes on a piece of paper, I asked him, I said, sometimes I feel like I'm being not exactly guided, but I'm listening. And I don't know what it is I'm listening to, but somehow it's something that's, um, I wouldn't say guiding me, that gets much too strong, but somehow I'm always listening to something larger than myself. What do you think that is? He said, well, I don't know if that's called listening as much as it is being receptive, which is another whole possible discussion. But he said, the earth itself is crying out to be heard on many, many levels, be it the trees, be it something else. Not necessarily crying out in pain, but crying out to be heard just like we are. We want to be heard. We want to cry when we, we want to be heard and seen. I thought that was pretty interesting. It might seem pretty far out, some of the stuff he said, but there are lots of science now about how much you can hear. Bernie Krauss, author of um, The Great Animal Orchestra and many other books, I think I'd mentioned him before, uh, spent his lifetime listening to soundscapes and studying people in their soundscapes. And he'd go to ecological places that were still relatively untouched and try to record them and mentioned that in a complete ecosystem, every single acoustic niche was filled. You could write an orchestra score. Not one overrode another. It was a complete orchestra in and of itself. But more to the point for what we're talking about right now, he said some of the peoples he spent time with could literally navigate by the sound at night because the sounds changed about every hundred yards or so. They didn't need anything. They didn't need stars, flashlights, anything. They could navigate by the rich sound. It can be that subtle, that tuned in. I did an interview with Penelope Smith talking about various things. And this, this particular interview will be posted on our um, website this Friday once the e-newsletter comes out. And she was talking about how you connect with animals and you just sit and be. John Thompson mentioned that too, that if you go into nature with expectations or demands, you won't hear anything. Nature won't be able to reach you because you'll be blocked off with all your demands. But if you just sit, she said, the animals may notice and they may open a channel of communication or you may open a channel of communication by just sitting and then they may hear that and respond. For those of you who heard the story of Huckleberry Bear Bear and, and Amy who sat with her, sat with Huckleberry Bear Bear, completely naive, completely open, not thinking of anything, and how suddenly she received a communication from him because she was quieted. And one of the things that's most difficult for all of us is to be quiet enough to hear, maybe even quiet enough to hear the molecules of life. If we don't quiet ourselves, we can't attend to those subtle things that are of life itself, not the blaring of horns or, or people, screaming of people or any of that, but the subtle sounds of life. We have to quiet ourselves, be in a quiet environment and quiet ourselves inside to be able to receive.
And then there's so many things to discuss with listening, and I'm just giving a few thoughts here that to start the discussion. But um, listening is a major way of connecting. It has to be a sender and a receiver, and there has to be a channel through which that goes. It's, if we want to connect with nature, that's a major way we can do it. One of the things for all of us is we live in a really noisy world. We live in a really busy world. How can we do this? Chelsea and I were talking about it earlier. And of course, the reason I went to a nine-day silent retreat is because it's not easy to sit and meditate and go inside yourself. You have to practice. And it's a practice. And listening daily is a practice. It might be something we can support each other in. If we take five minutes in the morning, five minutes in, at noon, and five minutes in the evening just to stop and listen. Because once we're listening, we're tuning outside of ourselves to something larger than ourselves. And then there's a chance of communication. But it's so hard for us. I'd love to have ideas about how we can help one another do that. And ideally, what we're trying to build here is a community of practice where we support one another in practicing the things that we think is important. So I think that's about all I wanted to say at the moment. Um, let me just check my notes. We're having slight technical difficulties. Oh, I know one other thing I wanted to say. I'm also not used to wearing glasses. Very irritating. <laughs> um, at the end of the retreat, the point is to try and ease your brain till you can receive. And, and, and he said, there were 30 people sitting there, and he said, if one person's brain releases, all the others sense it. And it helps them release. And I mean release the, the grip of, of busyness and on and on talking and, and demands and stuff. Release the brain so the whole brain and body can relax and listen to each other and listen to other things. And I thought, what an interesting idea that if one person does that, it helps the others. And you don't have to say anything. It just kind of happens. And to me, that means we each have power to help each other. Just by being that way ourselves without even knowing it, other people are responding. Chelsea had mentioned that that went off into her thinking of women who live together start menstruating together. And they have no, you have no idea how that happens. It just happens. This is a slightly different level, but it's the same kind of thing. If we're living it ourselves, we're contributing. So at this point, I'd like to stop and see if Jean, you like, oh no, I'm sorry, I forgot one other thing. Bernie, brilliant, brilliant Bernie Krauss. He talked about, um, in Japan and South Korea, researchers have established a robust body of scientific literature on the health benefits of spending time under the canopy of a living forest. It's, it's sort of called forest bathing, but they said actually it's more like um, taking in the forest atmosphere. And he said major components of spending time under the canopy of a living forest are the sounds that the mind engages with 
during that encounter. The sounds you engage with in that kind of encounter start to quiet the brain. And he also said, um, he's a very scientifically minded man, and said he thinks pretty soon in time, I personally think it's just true, but he said in time, this, this uh, field of soundscape ecology, which is what the, the ecology of the sounds and where you are, um, generates an acoustic signature that is unique to each individual. Each unique output signal individually is part of a collective expression. He thinks that we'll find scientifically that every single living being has its own acoustic signature. And the last thing I wanted to mention from another book of his, he says, in more youthful moments in younger days, I would feel a deep yearning to get out of town and travel to exotic places to experience real wild sound. Then I realized that right in my own backyard are locations that have hardly ever been approached with a microphone. He did a workshop here, and we have a little um, pond lined with concrete for the bears to swim in, and it had a little bit of water in it, and he just looked like water in a concrete pond, and he dro dropped a microphone a phone in it, and the sounds that came out, enormous, tiny little creatures making sounds, and the point I wanted to bring up with that is we can do this anywhere. We can tune in that way anywhere. And I'm sure he's got lots of information on his website about how to do that. So um, I'd like it to open the conversation. Um, Jean, as, as um, Chelsea said, is uh, co-founder of Earthfire. He's much more than an animal handler. He's an animal whisperer, an animal himself. <laughs> um, people who come to retreats here know the exquisite intuition which he can share with them. And uh, we invited him to participate in this conversation, either now or as you choose. We have some technical difficulties, meaning his computer's not working, so he has to come and speak over here. Um, would you like to speak now or just open the conversation to other people? Open the conversation? Okay, so if you want to do the formal opening with instructions, Chelsea. All right, thank you, Susan. So um, now it's open to any and everyone. Again, you are muted, and please remain that way until um, you are speaking, just so we don't have background noise. But um, that can be located at the bottom left-hand corner, and, and just be mindful for... Um, time limit for everyone else to get a chance to speak, but for the remainder of our hour, um, anyone who would like to join in, please do. Uh, I have a, a question or a comment. I'm not really sure. Um, I've experienced animals and nature and um, where it was walking in heaven. And then uh, I was experienced by um, people who didn't understand, uh, and it turned into a very uncomfortable and threatening situation. Uh, that was in the past. 
Now, because of that, I'm still listening to the hearts and voices of some of the animals from that experience. I believe that some are still alive. Um, but because of that, I have um, come to hearing even louder voices of many, many animals around the planet with what's going on with um, slaughter and uh, the conditions of our everyday world where people are not aware of the voices of the silence and the hearts of the many uh, because they don't speak English. Can you comment on any of those situations? Um, and uh, I guess resolution on a very vast level of education or insight or influence um, to get practical application going here? My name is Cheryl. I'll leave it to anybody to answer that. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, Cheryl, I, I think a lot of us have found ourselves in situations like you describe um, if I understand correctly, just situations that are uh, difficult to navigate because the the receiving party isn't ready to listen or willing to listen, if I understand correctly. But um, one thing a friend told me once as she was talking about um, kind of controversial ideas that when she's talking to an individual, like a, another human, and it sounds like it's beginning to go negative, she just kind of address, like acknowledges the fact that they may not be ready to listen um, and finds a positive uh, way out of that conversation and instead leads by example. So instead of um, confronting someone who's not willing to listen, she tries to find a way to inspire um, a positive reaction in another way, if that helps. Uh, so when, I, when I'm in a situation like that, I, I try to recognize that it's not going to be a good outcome, and I try to respectfully retract myself from the conversation and then um, just lead by example. I mean, it's everyone moves at their own pace, and unfortunately, um, yeah. If that, does that help at all? Uh yeah, that's a, a basic uh, foundation of uh, exchange with other humans that aren't ready to hear that um, there is consciousness and communication is different for every life form on this planet. Yeah, that is the, the foundation. Um, but I want to go deeper into the topic of uh, working with the animals, being conscious with the animals, influencing, I'm going to say, the whole world or other um, to stop the screaming and to turn it into the song that each, you know, life form deserves to the their highest fruition. So uh, coming together like this, this is the first time in, in this lifetime speaking with people that are even aware of the consciousness of an animal. Um, it's, it's a delight. So that's where I want to move into uh, knowing and recognizing our environment and people are the ones that are doing the harm. Um, you don't want to not like 
people, but uh, no comment on that at this juncture. But how can we work with what animals are left on this planet with conscious human beings collectively? What, what can, because that's really where the work is going to be, mutually working with people of like mind. As you're saying, the people that you describe in a negative conversation, which is basically the majority of dialogue with other human beings, but that's not where my focus is. My focus is uh, working with what is available that works. Does that make sense to you? And how can that be accomplished? Because I think that this coming together is actually what you're, you know, attempting to do or initiating from this point forward. Is that not the case? It is. Um, I'm not sure um, if other people have a response to that or if there are things that they would like to say regarding other topics we brought up. So I'd like to open it for both if someone wants to respond to Cheryl or if people would like to bring up, have other things they want to say because we don't have that much time. But Cheryl, I totally don't want to um, leave this. I don't know if this is, um, since we only have another half hour, I don't know if this is a good time to do it, and I may be wrong, and I'm going to be quiet a minute and listen to everyone else. But I think we could have a whole conversation just on that. I'm at peace with that. So I, I drop the idea, and I will be quiet, and I'm completely open to... I want to listen to everything that you have to say other than this topic. That can be another day, and thank you. And thank you very much for the, the passion behind what you're talking about. So, other comments? Hi, I'm, I'm Gita. Um, I, I have, uh, I don't know if it probably addresses maybe also what Cheryl just talked about, certainly what you were mentioning, Susan. Um, this thing about how it starts at home and and um, my work with humans over many, many years has uh, taught me that especially how I've worked as a, as a teacher of what's called the Alexander Technique and, and it's about mm -hmm. how we are aware of each other and our world and working with habits and so on and uh, whenever I work with other people, but just being with other people, I'm, I'm, I've learned that when I notice and sense a, a holding on or a tightening in another person or another being, instead of hammering away on trying to get them to let go, um, the best way to help the situation shift is if I go into myself and look for ways that I'm holding on to or tightening about and see my can allow myself to let that go and then that goes in with what you were saying about this how if one person's brain lets go then it helps every other person's brain let go and I was thinking and I, I'm, I'm in Switzerland I'm away from home now but I before I left I, I, I brought a little piece of paper that I drew many years ago as part of my writing and I feel like I show it to you can you can you yeah. see this sign? Yeah. This is this is the Chinese sign for to listen. Huh. And 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 as you can see, it consists of five different signs actually. One of the first here over here is the ear. So that's one of the things that is important in terms of listening. But then we also have you. 
and it has the eyes and undivided attention and not least the heart mm -hmm. so all these components are part of listening according to the chinese and i think you know that has been something that i've, I've kept close to my heart and my awareness for all these years and and i think that's what, what you were saying uh, in, in, in what your uh, initial presentation was talking about this and so i think that that was just what i wanted to share with you because i think it says in such a short form it says a lot about what it's why it's so difficult as well One thing um, I've been kind of interested in as we've been kind of getting ready for this conversation on listening, and, and I'm interested what other people have to say about it, um, is just how in, in lots of different species we see different roles. Um, and as humans, we each have individual different roles in the bigger part of creating the song. I really liked how you put that, Cheryl. Um, so I was just curious as we really explore how to listen outside of ourselves and with our heart and our soul, um, like thinking about that, that skill, that craft, and, and then how each of us takes that skill and craft and, and really embodies it as our individual role. So that's one thing I've been wondering about. Um. Jean would like to speak because of technical difficulties. He's not in front of the camera, but he can be heard, I think. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. As a child, the first thing I wanted to hear is what I had to say, because I couldn't find anything to say. Everybody was telling me stuff. And I was maybe about 22 years old and decided I'm going to go where there's nowhere, nobody around. And I'm going to listen. So I went to a place in the desert, me and my horse. And I camped there every weekend from Friday to Monday morning. And I learned to hear the silence first, and then to hear the wind, to hear the waters, to hear the animals, as small as they are. And then I started hearing voices, their voices. I didn't believe myself at first. But finding out when I approached a robin's nest, the scream, she shouted at me and asking me what was I doing there? Was what right was I to walk next to her? And this came so clear and the way she screamed at me and the way she expressed it and she came back 
and asked me again, what was I doing there? She wanted to be by herself was her brood. And I couldn't believe I was hearing these words of words, these cries. Later on, I had the, the time to go and be with wild animals. I, I had a wolf, then I had another one. And I listened to them. And I felt what they were saying. And then I listened to bears and coyotes. I had the opportunity. I worked with a, a trainer, did movie work. And I found that uh, I had acquired a gift, being alone in the desert. I could hear. They could hear me. And mostly they could hear me. I didn't hear them as well, as well and as loud it is. They heard me. But I could talk to them. I could ask them to do something for me. And I got very good at training animals and at working with animals. And I improved over the years. Well, an incident, for example, last, uh, I told how beautiful this dragonfly was. And I'd like to see her closer. Well, I invited her to come. And she landed on my hand. I was astonished that she did that. I put her down and she came back. I brought her into this office and she was comfortable. So she felt what I was putting out and I was, I started understanding that I needed to listen, not just to animals, but to start listening to people. Well, that was that's my case here, and I want to leave it at that. Thank you, Jean. Um, you know, something that really struck me when we were talking about this conversation in person was that um, what starts out as listening becomes a conversation. And... And the way you've described as starting out was that listening is really survival. And that just in the way that we need shelter and food and water, we have to listen in order to understand who's out there and what do they need and what do I need. And that it's just, it's so much more than this idea of, of hearing but rather it's understanding your own place as well as everything else around you. Yes, it's a way to interpret our inner feelings and put them in a, 
up in front uh, and finding what's important in life and in life around us. And this doesn't just stop with humans and animals, but also with plants and people and water and rivers and people. So it's a whole thing we could listen to. The ocean, the rivers, whatever's us. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Marta. Um, totally agree with um, what y'all just said. Um, and I think that the way that we can get to what Susan was talking about, what, Jean, what everybody here is talking about and what we're aiming for is to very consciously take the time to be outside in whatever context we have and just be still, focus on what is there and try and expand our um, the area that where we listen i read a wonderful book a while ago called what the robin knows about listening to birds and um they suggest listening to what's immediately around and then expanding just listen farther away and farther away and listen for how the birds communicate with each other. And so I started doing that and then I realized that not only are the birds communicating with each other, but there's this whole conversation going on between the, um, the crickets and the dragonflies and the plants, it's all, we, we as human beings have gotten so far removed from the beautiful integrated conversation that's all around us. Mm. And we can, we can lock into that again. We don't have to stay removed from it. If we choose to take the time to be outside um, I teach music. I teach um, college students primarily voice lessons. I teach them how to sing as well as um, piano and composition. And I work with one young man that has made tremendous progress. He's a great guy. He's from right in the middle of New York City and um, very tough. He's had to be tough. He, he's got, you know, he's been a bodybuilder because he's had to deal with gangs and all kinds of stuff. And we were talking this morning and um, somehow the conversation came up of the hustle and bustle. And he was saying that even because he's not living in New York City right now, but even when he's there, when he's back home and living there, that his apartment is right near a park and that he goes and sits in that park every morning on his way to work. He'll only spends like five minutes and he has his coffee and a cigarette and just listens and 
just is in the nature that's available to him in the middle of the city, this little park, and how beneficial it was to him. And I just, oh, it just really opened my heart to hear him say that because nature is everywhere. It's available to us. And Jean, I, I not only agree with you about the water and everything else, but we can even listen to the air and to the clouds because they're all speaking and communicating. And I just, um, I think the whole way for us as I think her name was Cheryl that started mm -hmm. uh, to, to, spread this is one person at a time we can't like lecture to people who aren't ready to listen but we can be what we want to see in the world we can search for that ourselves and as opportunities open to us to share with other people in a very natural way i think we can help to make a difference thanks And just to add to what you were saying, Marta, to, to be what we want to see in the world, I think it's really important that despite how discouraged or disappointed or sad we may be feeling in whatever context that is, um, I think it's important that we listen with as much positivity as we can because as we're listening, we're also emanating energy and, and that definitely influences the messages we may be able to even receive. And so I think that's also important to carry with us. Yeah, I, I'd like to add an interjection into that. Um, mutually with this lovely group of aware people, to collectively coming together, knowing the truth of what we know and working with that reality as being, uh, I'm going to say, the majority of knowledge on this planet. It doesn't matter that it, it appears as a small group, but collectively know that it is the bigger group because that that we speak on here is actually universal language. Mm. which more than the language of the race of men and that way the only way to influence the race of men is by raising the consciousness of mankind so because we are aware of the universal languages which is what we're talking about i would love to mutually collectively come into that uh, reality base uh, with others as like-minded and to actively, consciously choose to initiate that language amongst ourselves as conscious uh, individual people. That That is, I guess, that's what's coming to me right now. Yes, I want to add to this. This is Jean again. And it's not just the, com the consciousness of man, but of nature. The consciousness of the animals. And if you go deeper, and not just stay with humans, but go into our planet and feel our planet. And just like what was just said, to listen to the clouds, to hear the clouds move with the wind. 
there is such a connection and we could get a holy consciousness when I say holy that means all of us and uh, then I think we really realize our inner self and our inner desire yes that that, that is what I'm speaking on at when I'm saying uh, the race of men is a small language mankind is a coming into a new language the universal language is what I'm speaking on here with the people that are on this call and that is what I'm I, I would mutually love to interconnect with to grow that language uh, and see where that takes us as a well, coming together of like-minded individuals that that's what I'm saying the universal language is the only language that is in my eyes real so but not everyone has that vision to incorporate all of uh, nature and, and animals Um, do email me at the end of this conversation sometime, Cheryl, so we can talk about this a little further about, um, we can certainly continue talking about it here, but uh, how do you envision making this happen? So contact me, okay? Yes, I, I would love for anyone to collectively contact me as well. Yes, I want to open up. Uh, dialogue. Yeah, actually, the way what I meant when I said contact me was as, as a means of co of contacting everyone. How can we make this happen? But by all means, send everyone your email. <laughs> yeah, I'll put my email in chat. But yeah, I will give me your email, and I I would love to continue this relationship. I'm glad you're all there. I'm so like delighted <laughs> beyond words. You just. <laughs> Other people have comments? One thing I'm interested in hearing everyone's um, thoughts on are, after this conversation, um, what ways are we going to try and start listening? Um, I know in the Earthfire group, we've uh, been talking about taking three conscious breaths, um, taking a pause. Yeah, I'm just curious what everyone kind of plans on beginning their practice with. In the next newsletter, the one coming out Friday, um, Richard, who works with us, wrote uh, a practice like that. So you can certainly read about it there, but let's talk about it here too. Three conscious breaths several times a day starts to reconnect us because breath itself connects us and it's the air that connects to all other life. So if anyone wants to comment on that or, or your comment, Nikki, about, okay, how do we listen? How do any of us listen? How do we practice this? What do we do? How do we support one another? An interesting practice that I use with my students when they 
come in all stressed out from too much homework or relationship problems or something, will sit and just, I have them close their eyes and start to breathe. And then as they begin to breathe deeply, I'll have them on the in-breath, breathe in peace. And on the out-breath, let go of chaos. Or breathe in whatever it is that they need. And invariably, after doing this for just a minute or two, when we're done, they're so much more focused. And I do the same thing for myself. Um, because air is life. And as we breathe in, we're feeding our red blood cells, and that gives us energy. And if we can focus on whatever it is we want to do, so we can focus on listening and focus on, as we breathe in, breathe in the the conversation of the planet around us, breathe in all those sounds and, you know, we can help ourselves to become more conscious and um, listen better and let go of anything that we're holding on to that gets in the way of that. Uh, I, I want to put a link into the chat if I can find. There's actually a workshop that's coming together about water. It started with water, uh, but it's also on breathing. Um, so I'd like to, uh, I'll be quiet on that, but I'll, if I can find the link, I'll put it in there. If you would put uh, an email to this gentleman. There's two gentlemen, and the workshop is coming up quite soon, I think the 26 or 7 or 8, um, but uh, request information on that and touch base with them with water and breathing, and, um, and thank you. You're also polite waiting for other people to speak. I know there are more voices out there. We do have a, oh, I was just going to say we do have um, something we want to play at the end of this, so please do join the conversation um, because we will turn the last few minutes of tonight um, for some music. So go ahead, whoever that was. This is me, Betty Truitt, and I don't know how many people, I'm sure we're from all over but I'm so aware of all the fires in Northern California and Washington State and all the other places. It has really made me quite anxious and I've been so anxious that I moved an awful lot of stuff from my home and took it down to El Cajon, where I live outside of San Diego and uh, put it in a storage unit. I've been doing that for four days now. Uh, but I also have heard some of the most marvelous stories of how dogs have rescued other animals. Mm -hmm. 
and taken them who knows where, who knows where, but save them. And I, I, I just think it's marvelous. Thank you, Betty. Is there Katie wanting to talk? I'm here. I'm not quite ready. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to say to Cheryl and other people that while going into meditation or listening, all that talking um, may seem kind of esoteric, it ultimately leads directly to action. And it leads to thoughtful action with the best possible outcome. Um, so it's not just indulging ourselves in pleasant things. It's really important to go within ourselves so we can access our own wisdom, access what's out there, to think about how do we take the best action. Well, and just what you said, Susan, there kind of reminds me um, just the, the fast-paced technological world we live in, how hard it is already to remove ourselves from that um, busyness and chaos, step back and breathe, um, just how we're really venturing into new territory of thoughtful action and um, like what speed does that happen at? And it's, we need to act fast, but I don't think it's certainly something that needs to be rushed and so I think when you say that um, as we listen and meditate, it leads to thoughtful, meaningful action, I think that's so true. Um, I think it's just for me, because I tend to get very impatient with things, um, it's important to remember our patience in that process and to trust the process. Yeah, I don't think we know much <laughs> um, about speed of things or, or how to impact change but I do think um, I know there's a story of um, some monks who spend three months of every year busy as they are specifically meditating in order to try to raise the awareness of the world um, I just think it's one really important thing we can do and I don't think we know how fast it'll take. I do, I do believe in things like the tipping point, and we can feel how profoundly things are changing. Whether it's fast enough, we don't know, but this is one of the things we really can do because just to be in a busy technological world making busy technological decisions about uh, this water, this dam, or whatever isn't going to do it. We have to come up with more profound whole answers that include the wisdom of all life that give us a different perspective on how to begin to affect the change we need to, to, to do. Yes, this is why we've got to select what we're listening to and learn how to select what is the right thing and the right path and, uh, and readjust. Readjust from slowing things down and given the opportunity 
of the others. And the others, I mean everything I spoke of. Thank you. I, I um, this is Gita again. I, 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 I'm thinking that what I'm hearing you all say is this, is this thing that, that, that how do we bridge the gap between the, the poles of our lives, the very busy life and the meditation, and and um, along the lines of what you were saying, Martha. You know, you talk to your students, so they have the, they have the luxury of having you being their teacher and reminding them. So how how do we how do we teach ourselves or be our own teachers to remind ourselves in the most difficult of our situations to to have something that slows us down and instead of becoming maybe annoyed with whatever is trying to slow us down mm. that we take it as a cue to hey stop and listen and i i have the luxury of having a a, a dog that is in her uh, um, above the senior year she's a uh, she's a geriatric age dog and um, and 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 instead of me you know becoming busy and trying to hurry her I, I take a cue from her every time I feel like come on Molly you know okay this is she's actually helping me come back to myself so if we can each one of us have a cue or choose something that we know is at, with us every day or the day you know, throughout the day to instead of being annoyed with uh, the people who won't listen to us or whatever it is that, that that triggers us that we can turn that trigger around and say hey this is this is actually a cue for me to come back to myself and it's actually this thing as well that we have you know saying that we have two ears and one mouth in order for us to listen twice as much as we speak that uh, that 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 that's a how do we actually do that in practical life that's a really really helpful uh question i don't know you're probably going to be out of time for this one but i wonder if there's some way we could help each other um by making some kind of a, agreement that we'll spend five minutes a day listening for example and then report back so then we'll have sort of some external structure to support us because we get so chaotic with every, it's really hard to do alone. We need external support. So we might consider how we can help one another with that. I'm just thinking along those lines, Susan, how about, you know, an, a closed Facebook group or something? Something like that, where we could we we could come in and share our our uh, experiences and um, yeah, close Facebook on the things that I, that way I participate with and and that seems like both a safe and a, an easy working uh, medium. But I also wonder about the possibility of asking everybody. Again, we we may not have time to think us through enough, but to start the thought of doing this for the month till we speak again and then reporting back. And I think that that is what, um, for this conversation, 
we'll, we'll kind of send out as our parting words is to think about and a way that between this conversation and the next, what, what steps and what practices are we taking to listen? And then Gita, to respond to your idea, we definitely are thinking about ways to keep in touch in the interim. Um, and and uh, Facebook group is something we've thought about. So it definitely is in the mix. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone to being here tonight. Uh, we are at the hour. So I'm going to leave it to Susan to say any last parting words. But the recording will be up on our our website by Friday. And if you aren't on our newsletter list, please sign up to do that. And then you will get that sent to you exclusively. Um, and then as well... I will send out a thank you email and uh, with all of the resources that we talked about tonight. So we certainly hope that with this community of practice, it doesn't end here and that this conversation keeps going and the practice does as well. Um, thank you so much for being here. Susan, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, um, Cheryl, um, if it didn't work, I can't tell if it did or not. Send your email to Chelsea and she can send it out to everybody with the, with the um recording information. Um, and uh, I don't know how many choices there are for connecting. There's connecting via the internet and Facebook. Um, it's trying to connect in other ways. So, uh, please um, Zoom room. send any of your suggestions. Zoom room. Yeah. I don't know if it's free, but I know I've experienced other groups where uh, someone will be a host uh, I do have a Zoom room. I haven't figured out how to use it yet, but other people have had other groups, and you can leave it open so people can come in at any time, and if available, or you can set up a time. I'm not really sure, but the Zoom is really a clear means of communication and uh, showing pictures and things like that, or but Facebook also. I will take the initiative on that and looking into ways that we can keep in touch. Um, thank you all for your ideas, and, and please do submit emails to me as well with those ideas. Um, we are very eager to move in that direction with our community. So our next conversation is on November 15th. It will, again, be at 6 o'clock um, Mountain Standard Time. So that is it for tonight, everyone. Um, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you in a month. You don't have the crickets? Oh, would you like me to end with that? Yeah. So the, uh, the screeching you heard at the beginning was an unfortunate <laughs> variation of crickets singing. And I don't know how many of you have heard this tape called God's Cricket Chorus, but it's um, taking a sound of crickets and then slowing it down to about the speed it would be if their lifespan was the same as ours. So it's slowing it down. And the sounds are unbelievably gorgeous. I didn't believe it the first time, and I had a friend of mine take the cricket sounds and slow them down. And so she's going to play these are the, and the concept of, of the beauty and the hearing that surround us. Um, if you want to put that on. Um, as we all leave for the evening, Chelsea? Yes, I will go ahead and I'm going to share my screen, so feel free to, I'll have it up for two minutes, feel free to hang out and listen and, and leave as you would like. It's beautiful. <laughs>